I just love having to check in online and having to do it again on the mobile app and having to do it again in person. Are there any other ways that I have to check in? Uh, no, but we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever bought bird seed from this website, but they're recommending cat food. I think we need a cat. They know us so well. Who wants a kitty cat? Who wants... You want a kitty cat. We're completely out of flour. I'm trying to order more, but this site's so bad. I usually just type in flour a hundred times until it works. What a great idea. This is great. FY21 Adobe Earnings Conference Call. Today's call is being recorded. At this time, I turn the conference over to Jonathan Voss, VP of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. With me on the call today are Shantanu Narayan, Adobe's President and CEO, and John Murphy, Executive Vice President and CFO. On this call, which is being recorded, we will discuss Adobe's third quarter fiscal year 2021 financial results. You can find our Q3 press release as well as PDFs of our prepared remarks and financial results on Adobe's Investor Relations website. The information discussed in this call, including our financial targets and product plans, is as of today, September 21st, and contains forward-looking statements that involve risk, uncertainty, and assumptions. Actual results may differ materially from those set forth in these statements. For a discussion of these risks, you should review the factors discussed in today's press release and in Adobe's SEC filings. On this call, we will discuss GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations between the two are available in our earnings release and on Adobe's Investor Relations website. I will now turn the call over to Shantanu. Thanks, Jonathan. Good afternoon. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy. Adobe had another outstanding quarter as people across the globe continue to embrace new ways of storytelling, learning, and customer engagement in a digital-first environment. This quarter, we delivered significant new product innovations, announced the exciting acquisition of Frame.io, and continued to increase customer engagement across an ever-expanding customer base. We're executing on our strategy of unleashing creativity for all accelerating document productivity, and powering digital businesses as reflected in our strong performance. In Q3, Adobe achieved $3.94 billion in revenue, representing 22% year-over-year growth. GAAP earnings per share for the quarter was $2.52, and non-GAAP earnings per share was $3.11. In Q3, we drove record performance in our digital media business, achieving $2.87 billion in revenue, representing 23% year-over-year growth. Net new digital media annualized recurring revenue, or ARR, was $455 million, and total digital media ARR exiting Q3 grew to $11.67 billion. Creativity has always played a central role in the human experience. Over the last year, we have all witnessed the way creativity has sustained us. We've shared photographs with loved ones on different continents, taught art classes to students at their kitchen tables, and launched entirely new businesses online. Building on decades of leadership, Adobe continues to pave the way in core creative categories including photography and design, while pushing the boundaries across a wide range of emerging categories, such as AR and 3D. Whether it's the latest binge-worthy Streaming Plus series, a social media video that sparks a movement, or a corporate video, creation and consumption of video is experiencing explosive growth. In August, we announced an agreement to acquire Frame.io, a leading cloud-based video collaboration platform. Video editing is rarely a solo activity, and it's traditionally been highly inefficient. Frame.io streamlines the video production process by enabling editors and key project stakeholders to seamlessly collaborate using cloud-first workflows. 
The combination of our leading video editing offerings, including Photoshop, Premiere Pro, and After Effects, with Frame.io's cloud-based review and approval functionality, will radically accelerate the creative process and deliver an end-to-end -end video platform. The addition of Frame.io creates an opportunity for Adobe in conjunction with the partner ecosystem to expand beyond video editors to a broader set of customers, teams, and enterprises. We hope to close the Frame.io transaction in Q4 and look forward to welcoming the team to Adobe. Next month, we'll host Adobe Max, the world's largest creativity conference. Max has always been the place to be inspired, connect with the creative community, and experience the latest creative cloud innovations. Our programming will feature iconic speakers, including Oscar-winning writer, director, producer, Chloe Zhao, actress Tilda Swinton, and SNL star and executive producer, Kanan Thompson. This year's fully digital experience allows us to expand our reach and engage with more people across our global creative community than ever before. Max will be hosted on Adobe's custom digital event platform built on Adobe Experience Cloud. In Q3, we achieved creative revenue of $2.37 billion with strong new user acquisition, engagement, and renewal across all creative products and geographies with particular strength in our Creative Cloud for Teams offering. Q3 Creative Cloud highlights include innovative enhancements to our photography offerings, including new services and AI-driven capabilities in Lightroom, Creative Cloud applications now running natively on Apple's new Silicon M1 chip, delivering a boost in performance, the release of Adobe Substance 3D Collection, a suite of interoperable tools and services that support 3D creativity, partnerships such as The Great Untold with Netflix, enabling next-gen creators to tell their stories, and key customer wins at the Department of Education of the Philippines, Facebook, Nike, Rutgers University, and the U.S. Department of the Interior. Document Cloud is accelerating document productivity by powering the paper-to-digital revolution and enabling all document actions to be frictionless across web, desktop, and mobile. From complex legal documents to sales contracts to employee welcome kits, documents are at the core of work. Using the power of AI with Adobe Sensei, Document Cloud is automating workflows and adding new value across all document verbs. In Q3, Document Cloud achieved record revenue of $493 million, growing 31% year-over-year. Driving this performance was increased unit demand for Acrobat subscriptions globally and strength in the SMB segment. Q3 Document Cloud highlights include continued adoption of Adobe Sign and Acrobat with transactions growing over 10x in the last three years. Growth across Acrobat Web and Frictionless PDF, which optimize the customer journey and capture organic search-driven demand. Increased adoption and usage of mobile applications, including Acrobat, Scan, and Sign, with over 100 million monthly active users. Proliferation of Liquid Mode, an adaptive and responsive mobile experience with over 300 million PDF files reflowed in the last year. Key customer wins at Daimler AG, Fujifilm, Micron, and PwC. Businesses of every size across every category are investing in customer experience management. Adobe Experience Cloud is powering CXM for B2B and B2C companies with applications focused on customer journey management, data insights and audiences, content and personalization, commerce, and marketing workflows. Adobe Experience Cloud empowers companies to deliver predictive, personalized, real-time digital experiences across every touch point of the customer lifecycle. In the digital economy, companies are relying on digital presence and commerce as the dominant channels to drive business growth. According to the Adobe Digital Economy Index, U.S. consumers spent over $541 billion in e-commerce from January through August. 58% more than what we saw two years ago. 
In Q3, we delivered experienced cloud revenue of $985 million, driven by strong performance across both subscription and professional services. Q3 subscription revenue was $864 million, representing 29% year-over-year growth. As businesses reopen around the world, interest in Adobe CXM solutions as an enterprise priority is resulting in increasing spend in both software and services. Q3 experience cloud highlights include product innovations, including new personalization capabilities in Adobe Experience Cloud to help customers move from third-party cookies to first-party data strategies. Workfront momentum, reflecting the need for workflow and collaboration to deliver global campaigns and growing customer interest in a pioneering marketing system of record. Key partnerships in commerce with Walmart to integrate their omnichannel fulfillment technologies and with PayPal to offer a robust, secure, and integrated payment solution for companies of all sizes. Continued industry analyst recognition, including being recognized as a leader in the Forrester Wave digital experience platforms and achieving the highest score of all participating vendors for current offering. Adobe was also named a leader in the 2021 Gartner Magic Quadrant for personalization engines and a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for digital commerce. Strong customer adoption of Adobe Sensei-powered capabilities in Adobe Experience Cloud as over 80% of customers now rely on our AI-powered capabilities to drive data insights and optimizations. Key customer wins at Accor, the Australian government, Bertelsmann, Capital One, CVS Pharmacy, Daimler AG, Facebook, Ford Motor Company, Fidelity Brokerage Services, Honeywell, Real Madrid, and The Gap. Adobe strength has always come from our most important asset, our people. I want to thank our 25,000-plus employees for their dedication and resilience, our customers and partners for their trust as we continue to navigate a dynamic external environment. I'm proud of the continued industry recognition we receive as a great and equitable place to work. This quarter, Adobe received a 100% score on the Disability Equality Index for Best Places to Work for Disability Inclusion, and we were named to People Magazine's Companies That Care list for the fifth consecutive year. Last week, we held our Adobe for All virtual conference designed to bring employees together around our shared values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. As part of that event, we reaffirmed pay parity. We continue to pioneer opportunity parity to ensure that employees are offered equal career development and growth across all demographic groups. As part of our ongoing efforts to bring in more diverse talent, Adobe has established partnerships with historically black colleges and universities and Hispanic-serving institutions. This new program offers a million-dollar donation to schools, scholarships, internships, and career readiness programs. Our goal with these deep, focused partnerships is to provide opportunities for students to learn technology and creative skills. The health and safety of our employees remain our top priority. Our offices are slowly reopening to fully vaccinated employees on a voluntary basis. As we look ahead to the future of work at Adobe, we will remain hybrid and flexible and continue to do what's best for our employees and our business. I'm confident that Adobe's culture of innovation, category-defining products, strong brand, and the unwavering dedication of our employees will drive our continued business success and a strong close to the fiscal year. John? Thanks, John Tanu. Our financial results feature strong growth across revenue, digital media, ARR, digital experience, subscription revenue, RPO, and EPS, demonstrating the power of our category-defining offerings. In a digital-first world, Adobe's market opportunity is larger than ever, and we are investing for sustained growth through product innovation and by driving awareness and demand for our products with customers of all sizes. With our data-driven operating model, or DDOM, we continue to leverage our experienced cloud technology to create personalized experiences for our customers in real time, driving traffic to Adobe.com and app stores to acquire new customers. As a result, 
In Q3, Adobe achieved record revenue of $3.94 billion, which represents 22% year-over-year growth. Business and financial highlights included GAAP diluted earnings per share of $2.52 and non-GAAP diluted earnings per share of $3.11, digital media revenue of $2.87 billion, net new digital media ARR of $455 million, digital experience revenue of $985 million, cash flows from operations of $1.42 billion, RPO of $12.63 billion exiting the quarter, and repurchasing approximately 1.7 million shares of our stock during the quarter. In our digital media segment, we achieved 23% year-over-year growth in Q3, and we exited the quarter with 11.67 billion of digital media ARR. As anticipated, with regions beginning to reopen across the globe, we saw pronounced summer seasonality in Q3. This is consistent with the experience of businesses across industries, as evidenced by data from the Adobe Digital Index, which showed that June and July marked the highest consumer travel season in two years. This correlated with lower web traffic while individuals enjoyed their summer holidays. We do see continued recovery in the SMB segment associated with the reopening. We achieved creative revenue of $2.37 billion, which represents 21% year-over-year growth, and we added $348 million of net new creative ARR. Our strong Q3 results demonstrate continued demand for our offerings and execution driven by our DDOM insights. Third quarter creative growth drivers included strong engagement, retention, and renewal across all creative products and customer segments, new user acquisition for Creative Cloud All Apps driven by global marketing campaigns, continued recovery in the SMB segment with our Creative Cloud for Teams offering, including through our reseller channel, driving subscriptions for our flagship products, including our photography and video applications on both desktop and mobile, and adoption of our 3D and immersive applications, including Adobe Substance. Adobe achieved document cloud revenue of $493 million, which represents 31% year-over-year growth, and we added $107 million of net new document cloud ARR in the quarter. Digital documents are essential to the changing nature of work, and we saw the paper-to-digital transformation continue in Q3 as document cloud remained our fastest-growing business. Third-quarter document cloud growth drivers included adoption by the increased need to collaborate in a hybrid work environment, increasing unit demand for Acrobat subscriptions globally, strength in new licensing and renewal for our Acrobat for Teams offering in the SMB segment, and continued adoption of our Acrobat Web and Acrobat Mobile offerings. Turning to our digital experience segment, in Q3 we achieved revenue of $985 million, which represents 26% year-over-year growth. Digital experience subscription revenue was $864 million, representing 29% year-over-year growth. We continue to see subscription revenue acceleration in digital experience as large and mid-sized enterprises increase their investments in customer experience management. Business performance in digital experience during the quarter was driven by strong deal volume, including several large Adobe Experience platform deals, momentum in Adobe Commerce with strong revenue growth and new customer acquisition, merchant services growth through new strategic partnerships, increasing adoption of our workfront and customer journey management offerings, strong customer retention as we focus relentlessly on value realization for our customers, and demand for Adobe's professional services. Operating expenses increased in Q3 as we continued to make strategic investments and increased headcount. We began to reopen our facilities and return to moderate levels of business travel. The majority of our employees continue to work from home, while the return to business travel is expected to ramp slowly, and we expect to further ramp our hiring in Q4. From a quarter-over-quarter currency perspective, the impact of FX net of accounting for hedging activities caused a sequential currency increase to revenue of $10 million. From a year-over-year currency perspective, the impact of FX net of accounting for hedging activities caused a currency increase to revenue of $80 million. Adobe's effective tax rate in Q3 was 14.5% on a GAAP basis and 16% on a non-GAAP basis. The sequential reduction in our GAAP tax rate is primarily due to a decrease and U.S. tax accrued on foreign earnings and tax benefits associated with share-based payments. Our trade DSO was 36 days, which compares to 37 days in the year-ago quarter and 35 days last quarter. RPO grew by 22% year-over-year to $12.63 billion exiting Q3, benefiting from strong enterprise licensing during the quarter. Our ending cash and short-term investment position exiting Q3 was $6.16 billion, Cash flows from operations in Q3 were $1.42 billion, sequentially down from Q2 due to increases in prepaid expenses 
income tax payments, and a decrease in accrued expenses. We repurchased approximately 1.7 million shares in the quarter at a cost of $1 billion. We currently have $14.1 billion remaining of our $15 billion authority granted in December 2020, which goes through 2024. The following Q4 targets factor current macroeconomic conditions and typical year-end seasonal strength, including an expected increase in back-to-school spending and year-end enterprise licensing strength. Total Adobe revenue of approximately $4.07 billion, digital media segment revenue growth of approximately 20% year-over-year, net new digital media ARR of approximately $550 million, digital experience segment revenue growth of approximately 22% year-over-year, digital experience subscription revenue growth of approximately 26% year-over-year, tax rate of approximately 17% on a gap basis and 16% on a non-gap basis, share count of approximately 480 million shares, gap earnings per share of approximately $2.52, and non-gap earnings per share of approximately $3.18. Given Adobe's year-to-date performance and our Q4 targets, we are clearly on track to exceed our updated annual targets for fiscal 2021 provided in March. With the massive opportunities across creativity, digital documents, and customer experience management, we continue to invest and drive strong business results. I will now turn the call over to the operator to take your questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to ask a question, you may do so by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. We do ask that you please limit yourself to one question. You may then re-enter the queue by pressing star 1 after your initial question has been answered. Thank you. Again, please press star 1 to ask a question. We'll pause for just a moment to allow everyone an opportunity to signal for questions. We'll take our first question from Alex Zuckin with Wolf Research. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Um, maybe just can we uh, double-click on the seasonality commentary in the quarter? Because if we look at the, the, the beat uh, versus guidance on kind of net new digital media ARR, it looked, you know, at the same time you had, you know, kind of the weakest beat but then the strongest guide in the last three years, which – kind of speaks to and confirms some of those seasonality comments that you made. But can we just dive in to get a better sense of exactly what drove that for the creative cloud business? And then separately, you know, what you're seeing in the enterprise adoption, particularly around AEP and, and the, on the CDP front that's driving some of the really strong guidance there. Happy to do that, Alex. So first, uh, on your DME question uh, as it related to the ARR, um, overall, we were really pleased. And I think uh, it really speaks to the strength of our uh, DDOM and the insights that we get associated with the business. I think going into the quarter, we had expected that uh, the consumer, uh, with a little bit more return to normalcy, uh, as was happening in the environment. Now, this may have been a little prior to the Delta variant that we expected, you know, travel to increase and therefore as a result, as summer seasonality and summer holidays was really sort of a two-year, uh, you know, a time off uh, from what they had to do. So, uh, as expected, we saw a little bit of uh, <clears throat> less web traffic on that particular front. Uh, the SMB was a highlight for us. The SMB, you know, which was impacted a little bit more. Uh, We're continuing to see strengths associated with the SMB. Uh, and to your point about the guide, I mean, I think our optimism and the relevance of our products and what's happening with uh, digital as a, as a tailwind really leads us uh, to guide, as you pointed out, to 550, which would be the uh, largest ever guide that we've given uh, for a Q4. And if you take a step back, uh, you know, relative to the approximately 1,750 uh, ARR guide that we had given at the beginning of the year, or the 1.8 billion that we've given in March, we're going to exceed easily all of those numbers. So uh, as it relates to individual categories, uh, imaging uh, continues to do really well, video continues to do well, the Acrobat business, which is reflected both in uh, the creative cloud and the document cloud is doing well, Max is going to be and exciting. So net-net, I would say that, you know, the growth prospects uh, for that particular business and the growth drivers uh, remain intact. But again, very much in line. Uh, and this is what we feel good about the insights that we're getting on the business. So that's uh, to answer your question on DME. 
And again, remember, we have a seasonally strong quarter in Q4 for DME. The enterprise uh, deals tend to be a Q4. We also uh, see education uh, start to ramp up in Q4. So that hopefully gives you some color as to what happened in Q3 and what we expect in Q4. And on the DX side, uh, to your second question, uh, really pleased uh, with what we saw uh, in the adoption of the Adobe Experience platform and the applications on top of that, the Adobe Journey Optimizer, the Customer Journey Analytics, uh, continue to see strength. I think we're very unique and differentiated in the platform that we have, the real-time nature of what we are doing with personalization. And again, there, I think if last year there was a lot of interest in that particular digital transformation and customer experience management. I think people recognize that this needs to be an enterprise uh, spend priority for all of the businesses irrespective of size, which is why both in terms of the Q3 performance as well as the Q4 targets, we continue to think that digital experience uh, will also do well. So hopefully that gives you color on both, Alex. It does. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Chapman. We'll take our next question from Kirk Materni with Evercore ISI. Please go ahead. Ah, yes. Thanks very much, and, and congrats on the quarter. Uh, Shantanu, I was wondering if you could expand a little bit more on a couple of the bigger experience platform wins that you had. You know, were these existing customers um, competitive? I, and I guess if you had to step back, you know, what's helping you all win these kind of larger deals you know, I was also impressed with, you know, 80% of your clients seem to be using, you know, some of the AI power capabilities, which seems to be, you know, a really high uptake rate or take rate. So I was just kind of curious if you expand on some of those larger enterprise uh, experience platform deals you had this quarter. Thanks. Sure, Kurt. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think the macro trend that everybody is finding is that a digital presence and commerce and data and insights and analytics is absolutely sort of table stakes for anybody doing business. And so I think everybody started with a website, everybody started with the analytics, but I think where we've delivered the Adobe experience platform and what we are talking about, our personalization, I think that's a key differentiator. And, you know, whether you're a B2B company or a B2C company, uh, you just have to invest in this particular business. And uh, I think the team's done a particularly good job, both of, messaging in different uh, industries. The healthcare industry, for example, continues to do well, and there's more interest associated with that. Uh, the consumer businesses are starting to see a little bit of a, a comeback as, uh, you know, there's a little bit more normalcy. And so, you know, a lot of them, we're going after existing customers, we're going after new logos and, you know, selling uh, more. But I would say it's the strength of the experience platform the ability to have these profiles, the behavioral data they were collecting in real time, the marketing message associated with telling them that uh, they really need to focus on getting their first-party data to be an asset that they could put on their balance sheet, and the nature of uh, what's happening with digital commerce. I think all of those are trends. And then we win uh, you know, the deals because of the strength of our offering and the fact that we're a really pure play marketing uh, that is, uh, you know, significantly differentiated relative to anybody else. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Greg Moskowitz with Missoula. Please go ahead. Okay, thank you very much for taking the question. Uh, Shantanu, I know that you only have three quarters of data thus far, but is Workfront uh, driving larger average deal sizes in DX? Is that something that's already uh, already showing through? It's a great question, Greg, and, you know, maybe as I had responded to Kurt as well, I should have talked about, you know, the big thing that we're hearing from our customers in that space, Greg, is they have more and more campaigns. They want to do agility of the campaigns. These are global, and how do they not only have an integrated suite of products, but how do they get the workflow to be more efficient, especially as you're all, uh, you know, working in a hybrid or working from home environment. So, Workfront is uh, definitely helping us. It's helping us with existing customers. It's helping us with deal sizes. And in many ways, it's the glue both to enable, you know, if you have people, technology, and processes, it's helping with the processes part. But, you know, the promise of what we've also said there in terms of this pioneering marketing system of record, that's another area for the interest. And I think this was always a great 
company. I think they were looking to become more general purpose. I think uh, what Anil and the team has done of really focusing on marketing workflows and solving it for all of the different personas, that's definitely resonating. But all of the large deals that we do, Workfront's definitely a part of the interest and a part of you know the bill of materials associated with that. Very helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. We'll take our next question from Keith Weiss with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Excellent. Thank you guys for taking the question and, and very nice quarter. It may be digging in a little bit more on, on the M&A side of the equation. Uh, we've definitely heard really good things about Workfront uh, getting into a lot of deals up front. Uh, perhaps can you characterize sort of the, the performance of Workfront versus your expectations and kind of the contribution you're seeing in the quarter? Um, secondarily, with Frame.io, um, just for a clarification, is that in the forward ARR guide? So is that included in the uh, 550 for, for, for Q4? And then perhaps more broadly, just on, on, on M&A strategy, uh, the last two big deals seem to have a, a common thread in terms of collaboration. Um, is that just a, a self-side analyst putting together two data points and drawing a trend line, or is that a, sort of a particular area of focus for Adobe in terms of adding to the portfolio on a go-forward basis? Thank you, guys. So, Keith, I actually think there were three questions in, in that, so let me, uh, you know, parse each one of them. First, I, I think as it relates to Workfront, um, you know, we're very clearly uh, targeting a need that exists. And, uh, you know, we had originally, I think, said something like Workfront would do 140 or 150 in revenue for FY21, and then I think we've said that it's on track to significantly beat that, and that continues to be the case. As we do these larger deals, Keith, we don't break out Workfront, and so uh, that's the way we think of the business, but Workfront is definitely uh, appealing to that. Your second question as it relates to uh, Frame.io, no, it is not in the ARR guide. I mean, clearly, until we uh, close the deal, we would not, and so you know, when that happens, as we said, uh, we expect that to happen in Q4, we'll certainly uh, update you on, on what that happens, uh, you know, uh, as it relates to frame. But we're excited about that. And your third question as it relates to collaboration as a theme, it's part of what we've been talking about for a while. If you remember what we've done with XD uh, in terms of being able to do live editing, I think what we've done with the multi-surface applications where our applications run on mobile devices or iPads or tablets as well as desktops, it's just one of those themes that people are working uh, from different locations. People are increasingly working with people. And so uh, I think, you know, we have the ability uh, to really uh, provide value for our existing customers and attract new customers. I think with Frame in particular, we're excited because it expands dramatically the potential of the number of people who will become, uh, you know, participants in the video workflow. And if they become, I hope you like the videos that we placed at the beginning of the, you know, uh, earnings call. And it's all of that stuff is being done remotely. Uh, and so we're, we're pleased. And as you know, we're always thoughtful, Keith, about the acquisitions and making sure it's a, a case where we can bring significant value both to our shareholders and to our customers. Outstanding. Thanks for the call, guys. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Michael Turin with Wells Fargo Securities. Please go ahead. Hey there. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking the question. On, on margin, the year-to-date margins are now above 46%. I think you previously referenced potential for more of a second-half step down there. So just how should we think about the margin profile here and are there benefits you'd point to that, that could normalize, assuming more of a return to normal? John, do you want to start and then I can add? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, the, the margin said 46% this quarter. We had indicated uh, that we, with the more of a reopening across different regions, we would start to see our facilities come online, our business travel come back, and certainly uh, continue our hiring ramp. With the Delta variant, probably slowed that down a little bit, and so that contributed to margin expansion you saw in Q3. But you know, overall, it was an outstanding quarter for all of our businesses, and what we've said is the the, you know, the long road, the path to margin expansion is really through revenue growth, given the leverage in our model. And after the contributions from the revenue performance of the quarter, continued expense savings, as I just talked about, that contributed overall to the performance. But we expect those expenses to come back in a phase reentry now, maybe a little slower than we originally thought when we talked about the second half. Uh, but that being said, you know, when I think about 
our original targets in December, it implied margin expansion. When we did our updated targets in Q1, it was even larger margin expansion from what we saw. But, you know, we're executing against these huge margin opportunities, and we'll continue to do that with an eye on that continued top-line growth, you know, you know, such as the area that Shanti touched on, which is, you know, 3D and immersive, you know, Adobe Springs platform, sign, stock, mobile, all of that. Well said, John, and maybe the only other thing I would add is that, you know, I – Certainly, I think when you look at some of the T&E or facilities expenses, it's a little artificial uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what's happening on expenses. But our our big position is when you have a hundred and plus billion dollar addressable market, I think driving profitable growth is where we are focused on, which is why I think John also referred to we continue to be in the market to hire talent to make sure that we can continue to address all the market opportunities that we have. And so, you know, we're focused on driving profitable growth. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Jay Lushauer with Griffin Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Good evening, uh, Shantanu and John. Um, Shantanu, for you first, um, as I'm sure you recall over the last number of years, particularly at a conference like Max. Um, we've talked about the uh, integration, in many ways the unique integration that you have between digital media and the DX business. And you'll recall it's gone by a certain acronym over time. Uh, the question is, uh, can you quantify or in some way describe the business effect of, of that combination, uh, even going back to the old DPS days of um, how this, this mutuality does in fact help you drive business, um, you know, through the integration across the, um, the two segments. Um, relatedly, uh, with regard to DX specifically, um, you'll recall that over the last number of years, the company has often referred to your having about four dozen or so use cases that you were targeting uh, for DX. And that was a number of years ago. So perhaps you could talk about how the number of targeted use cases um, has increased uh, for uh, for DX in the last uh, number of years, particularly now with the introduction of payment services and, and, and other new uh, capabilities. Sure, Jay. Uh, first, I think as it relates to your question around the integration between the clouds, as you know, uh, first let's even talk about Acrobat, right, because so much of the Acrobat uh, business is reflected both in Creative Cloud and Document Cloud, and so uh, that's uh, one very tangible example of, you know, how uh, we've integrated the clouds. I think taking a step back, uh, the area that I would say is of the most interest to customers right now is what we have referred to in the past also as content velocity, which is people are creating more uh, digital assets, they're spending more on content, and how they uh, both ensure that all of that content uh, seamlessly is distributed, whether it's a marketing campaign, whether it's something that goes on a mobile application, whether it's something that goes on the website. And so I think that's the hard problem that we've been able to help facilitate for our customers, which is creating all of this content and making sure that it's uh, the delivery is accelerated through marketing campaigns is an area of real integration between DME uh, as well as DX. And where that shows up also in the revenue is, you know, the continued growth of AEM uh, and AEM assets specifically because that's where the assets are really flowing between these two solutions. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of the flavor. I think to the earlier questions that, you know, Greg and others had asked and, and Kurt had asked, I mean, it also on the workflow, that's when people are looking at it and saying, wow, if my freelancers have created content, how is that now being reflected in the DX. So that, that's what I would uh, answer your first question. I think as it relates to the DX use cases, and we should uh, certainly uh, you know do an update, it's increased very dramatically. And the ones that I would say uh, maybe as highlight is the B2B use cases, the number of large B2B companies that are coming to us and saying, hey, we recognize that whether it's for lead generation, whether it's for identification of customers, whether it's for even doing commerce, that's been a, a fairly big driver. I would say regulated industries, which uh, if the original push around customer experience management was B2C uh, and consumer-based companies, 
Uh, now I think you're seeing way more uh, of those workflows and use cases in, in regulated industries. So that's another one that I would do. I would say the global aspect of this, which is you have companies, whether you're an automotive company or you're a fast food company and you want to do this globally, I think that's a use case that we've seen a fairly uh, dramatic increase. But so hopefully that gives you one. And then this is where the partner ecosystem uh, candidly also is driving so much more. And so the partner ecosystem is also building a lot of their uh, value-added solutions on top of our horizontal platform. So, I, you know, it, net, I would say, it doesn't matter what business you are, what size you are, uh, you know, part of DX is relevant to what you need to do in order to engage with your customers. Thank you very much. We'll take our next question from Saki Kalea with Barclays. Please go ahead. Okay, great. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my uh, my question here. Um, John, maybe for you, just to, maybe just to switch gears a bit, I was wondering if you could just talk about seasonality in the document cloud business specifically. You know, I think the net new ARR there has, you know, uh, historically sort of been up and to the right, uh, you know, kind of through the year. I guess the question is, are we getting to a point in that business where the seasonality could start to look a little bit more like creative? Or, you know, are there any things to maybe consider for, for document cloud ARR seasonality this quarter? Yeah, I think when we look, think about the, you know, the situation we've been in in the pandemic and the need for more uh, paper to digital transformation that's impacting not just enterprises and, and institutions that have obviously seen great growth in, but individuals as well as they're engaging with uh, the services that they use. Um, as we said, you know, I think when you look at the individual uh, offerings that we have across creative and uh, document cloud, uh, we just saw, you know, a little bit lower web traffic there, but that's associated where we believe with individuals enjoying our holidays. And it's pretty indicative using our own Adobe Digital Index data that shows that, uh, you know, June and July were the highest travel months um, in two years. So I think that seasonality is hitting it a little bit, but, again, we've got such a, a – strong presence in both institutions, educational, governments, and enterprises on document cloud that we still see great uh, great growth and strength. And you can, it's demonstrated in just the continued growth of that business, which is our fastest growing business right now. Very helpful. Thanks. You bet. Thanks, Sagan. We'll take our next question from Ken Wong with Guggenheim Securities. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, this one's for you, Sean New. Um, you guys have a history of bringing your professional tools down down to the consumers. You had light editions. You have mobile editions. I think in your prepared remarks you mentioned the addition of Frame.io creating additional opportunities, um, you know, in the in, in sort of across the customer base, teams, and enterprises. I guess do you envision this as, as, as a platform that could be brought down to consumers, prosumers, or is this still mainly going to be in that professional bucket? Ken, uh, it's a very important area of uh, expansion for us. I mean, I think the creative has always been a segment that uh, looks to us to deliver mission-critical products that enable them to make a livelihood. But the halo effect of that, uh, when you look at what we talk about at our analyst meetings and, you know, how big our uh, communicator business already is, as well as, you know, the outreach of that even into the consumer business. But stay tuned. On that front, I think as we talk about our product roadmap and the excitement that we have uh, to fulfill this vision of creativity for all and target uh, a broader and broader and broader set of customers with some great solutions using our artificial intelligence and sensei technology, we have some very exciting things underway uh, that will uh, start to, you know, uh, be served to customers. So very excited about that opportunity. It's a big opportunity. It's already a big business for us. I mean, when we talk about, you know, the fact that we're adding uh, over half a billion of net new ARR as our expectation for Q4, uh, you know, a significant portion of that is also going to uh, what you would call communicators or prosumers. And we're going to be delivering more and more uh, really phenomenal products targeted at that customer segment. Got it. Fantastic. Looking forward to Max. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We'll take our next question from Cash Rangan with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. 
Thank you very much. Congratulations, Shantanu and team, on a fantastic quarter. Shantanu, I remember, uh, I think it was Max 2019, uh, we talked about video and how that could be as big of an opportunity as uh, photos. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the total available market that is new and incremental to Adobe's creative business as a result of the acquisition that you made of Frame. Uh, and uh, in particular, you used the word dramatically expands the scope of what you can do meaning uh, collaborators in addition to content creators. Can you just talk about uh, what, what you meant by that? Can you just put a finer point? Does this mean that the, the creative camp uh, will be larger than what Wall Street thinks, which has always been the case for the past 10 years or so? And secondly, not not, to, not that it's a negative, but uh, uh, with, with the seasonal pattern in, in summer showing some sign of activity where people went on vacations, et cetera, is, is there at all any risk that digital transformation takes a bit of a backseat as we go shopping not online, but we go to stores, therefore e-commerce activity might actually store down a bit. But the secular trend is still pretty solid in terms of an adjustment. Are we in for some some adjustment? Or maybe not, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cash. I mean, as it relates to your first question around video, I think we've been signaling for a while that video is really one of the exciting uh, expansion opportunities for us, and uh, that's really played out. It's played out from the products that we've delivered, Premiere and After Effects continuing to be the leaders in that category, certainly Photoshop and Illustrator used a lot. But if you look at what's happening with all these uh, streaming plus services, right? I mean, there isn't a company that isn't delivering a, a streaming plus service. And so I think the insatiable demand for video among consumers is only requiring more and more companies to have these streaming services and deliver more genre, uh, you know, as it relates to video. All of that work right now, I mean, we talked a little bit of what we are doing as a partnership with Netflix as well. I mean, all of that is happening now uh, with people in different locations through a collaborative process. So anytime you can take a creative idea and make that happen quicker, faster to the right audience, that's only going to be, uh, you know, uh, incredibly valuable to our customers. And so I think that trend's only going to continue. Uh, and so, you know, we feel really good about what's happening in that particular space with video frame. Uh, we used to use frame a, a bunch in the production of our own videos. And it's been exciting as we've uh, talked to different people who after the acquisition of frame have come and said, hey, Adobe, that's such a great uh, product, but we think we can do more with it. So, you know, I think that gives us a lot of optimism around uh, whether it's the script writer, whether it's the reviewer of that, whether it's a creative agency, just being able to, or all the corporate videos that's being done. And so certainly I think as you add that as a enterprise product as well, you can certainly get, uh, you know, a lot more TAM associated with it. We will update our TAMs cache as we typically do, you know, I think Jonathan referred uh, or we'll talk about, you know, how we do our uh, Q4 as well as our 2022, and we'll, we'll talk to you about TAMs on that front. But really excited about that. I think the external partnerships that exist for Frame and how it's plugged in, not just to the Adobe solutions, but other solutions is also an area of strength. And I think to your second question around uh, shopping and online, when we look at our DX business and the success that we had in uh, Q3, I mean, a big part of that is more and more companies are certainly doing the, you know, uh, multi-channel, omni-channel, whatever they want to call it. And I think that's only going to continue to be a driver of our digital experience solutions because today that's stable stakes. And so we just look at it and say, you know, whether you're shopping in store or whether you're shopping online, uh, you need a solution that treats you like a customer that we know of. And so I think that's going to only be an imperative uh, for companies. I mean, one thing we should have probably talked about also is if you look at our Q3 results, I mean, they were stronger than what we had said. There were a couple of uh, non-recurring items as part of that. And, you know, some of that actually had to do with usage in commerce. And so, you know, we are seeing that usage also uh, ramp up. So I just wanted to get that also out there as we talk about the shopping online and shopping uh, in in a store. And in terms of the demand for our DME solutions, uh, you know, we expect, as, our, as we said, the seasonal Q4 will be the strength. And, you know, as education comes back and there's more and more end of quarter activity, not just within Adobe, but all companies, that's going to lead to increased uh, demand and acceleration.
Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cash. We'll, we'll take our next question from Derek Wood with Cowan and Company. Please go ahead. Oh, thanks for taking my question. Um, John, I wanted to come back to uh, the document cloud business because um, it looks perhaps to me that there was some outsized strength from licensed products that may have been in lieu of revenue coming from ARR products. And I, I think you can see this with total document cloud revenue growth actually accelerating, even though total ARR growth decelerated. So is that is that the right assessment? And should we be looking at, at total revenue, not ARR? And I guess if so, is there any reason for a mix shift towards more licensed products? And, and as you look in the Q4, uh, given it's a big ELA uh, quarter, should we expect that to continue? Yeah, no, I mean, we've, well, certainly, yeah, I think you're going to see uh, strength in ELA, as Johnson and I spoke of in terms of Q4. We did see seed expansion, you know, in, in uh, Q3 as well. But, you know, we, we're still migrating uh, base of customers as well. So, you know, ARR is still going to be important for us, and we want to drive more ARR. I think the strength in ARR growth, frankly, over the last uh, over a year really has been really uh, impressive. It's always going to give us, you know, uh, this opportunity to you know, to drive healthy uh, subscription growth. But ELA are not going to give us outsized revenue in Q4. It's going to be, you know, uh, you know sizable, you know, contribution, but, you know, we're, we're driving subscriptions, and that's the, that's the strategy. And we do still have customers that buy perpetual, and so there will be some fluctuations in that. Yeah, got it. Okay, thanks. You bet. We'll take our next question from Parker Lane with Stiefel. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Sean New, I was wondering if you could talk about the nature of creative wins in the public sector with organizations like the Department of Interior. What have these type of organizations historically relied upon for creative needs, and how fully are they embracing the features of the creative cloud versus using maybe a particular application like Photoshop or a distinct set of applications? Thanks. To your point, I think public sector has always been an important part, but I think it's just the amount of content that people are creating is increasing, and when the amount of content that people are creating, then content management becomes an important issue, workflow becomes an important issue, and standardization of the products. And uh, one of the things we did really well is what we called our named user deployment and how, you know, when we have these enterprise uh, licensing agreements, we offer enterprises the ability to uh, download and distribute within the companies. And the more we do uh, training and evangelism of the products, that leads to adoption. So I would say, uh, you know, there's an element of standardization. There's an element of more content. I mean, even if you're a public sector company right now, I mean, what you transact online is becoming dramatically greater than it's ever been because the physical presence is, you know, uh, seeing a cutback as a result of what's happened in the pandemic. So I think all of those are macro uh, trends that are going to continue. But uh, we've also done a really good job of actively making sure we evangelize uh, what these solutions are good for. We do more training uh, within these enterprises. We allow these named user deployments, as I said, uh, which then leads to true-ups and the ability to get them into higher bands. So I think the execution on the sales front associated with going into these enterprises, uh, that's getting better and better. Great feedback. Thank you. Operator, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We have time for two more questions. Thanks. Thank you. We'll take our second-to-last question from Brad Sills, Bank of America Securities. Oh, great. Thanks, guys, for taking my question here. You know, just with your view across the broader marketing stack here with Experience Cloud, uh, I'm curious what you're observing with regard to, you know, these customer 360 initiatives. Are, are you finding customers are taking uh, more of multi-product deals here to get that view across multiple channels here, e-commerce, marketing automation, CMS? You've got workflow automation in there. Are there any combinations of, of any of that that you're seeing, uh, you know, trending more uh, recently than in the past? Thank you so much. It clearly has been a, a push for us, Brad, in terms of, you know, what we are doing, which is how do we sell the entire suite offering. And I think every year we give you an update on how that is actually indeed uh, how we are selling it. And so uh, from our perspective, uh, the marketing stack, 
what's completely unique about us is the data and insights that we're getting, the ability to do commerce, and the digital presence. I think as it relates to Customer 360, where we're unique, and I think we're years ahead of any other large company that has uh, space, is this real-time nature of what we've delivered. It's scalable. We've got billions of profiles. And so I think a lot of other companies are talking about how they take something that may be, uh, you know, in a record somewhere and, uh, you know, uh, do things with it. But for us, it's the activation of that data and that's where I think, you know, most people are really excited about what Adobe has to offer. And the other thing that I think has really happened is people recognize that they have to get control of their first-party data. I think a lot of interest used to exist about customer acquisition and third-party data. But I think right now it's about do we have even control of our first-party data? Do we have control of our behavioral and what is happening on multiple channels? And the fact that that can be very easily answered as it relates to what we have done with the Adobe Experience platform. And last but not least, I mean, remember, we're the only company that can go in and say, hey, we have a B2B business and a B2C business. And when we talk about how we are using this uh, in terms of the playbook on adobe.com, I think that really opens up a lot of people's uh, you know, ideas as to how they can use this and utilize it. And so I think the playbook that we delivered for DDOM earlier this year and how we talk about what they can do, I think that's what that really resonates with customers. That's great to hear. Thanks, Shantanu. Thank you. We'll take our final question from Brent Phil with Jeffries. Please go ahead. Shantanu, the, the DX growth accelerating from Q2. Can, can you just walk through the drivers of what, what you're seeing in terms of that acceleration? And maybe for John, uh, just as it relates to seasonality, uh, with Magento and Commerce into Q4, anything to, to keep in mind there, or do you just feel like uh, this, you keep powering through these, these tougher comps given given the given the tailwinds you're seeing in that business? Thanks. Yeah, Brent. I think what really drove uh, you know that revenue was both uh, subscription uh, as well as um, you know the services. And as you know, for the services. Uh, we're, again, really reliant on a large partner ecosystem. But if uh, over the you know, last 18 months, as I, we've always talked about, the interest is, is high, now they're all implementing it. And so, you know, as they continue to implement it and as they continue to say we need to invest in these solutions, I think that's driving it. And I think to your point, if you take a step back, uh, we, I think, guided to something like 19% revenue at the beginning of the year and 22% in subscriptions. Uh, we then increased that in March to 20 and 23, respectively, and we just posted uh, 26 and 29. And so, you know, I, and if you look at it for Q4 as well, as you point out with the large comps, uh, you know, we continue to be excited about that opportunity. So I, I think this is front and center. It's an enterprise priority. And uh, I think uh, since people are saying we've got to deal with this new reality, there's no time to waste in terms of implementing it. Again, there were, as we said, a couple of non-recurring items. Some of those had to do with usage in commerce, and that actually is also indicative. Uh, that may be a little bit more, you know, depends on the quarter, but uh, it's up and to the right as far as we are concerned in terms of the business opportunity and the, um, you know, and the business. Thank you. Uh, oh, good. No, go ahead. No, Sorry, John. Uh, I didn't hear you. Yeah, no problem. I was just going to just to uh, come over the top on that and his, on Brent's question on seasonality related to commerce. Of course, the Q4 is a strong commerce quarter anyway, given the holidays uh, spending time. So, yeah, we're excited about the opportunity uh, there as well. It's just, you know, it's trying to set us up into the right. I think we have uh, great momentum. And overall, since that was the last question, I mean, again, I, I think uh, we were really pleased with our performance in Q3. Um, we do expect a strong end of year for our business, as you saw from our targets. It's clear that uh, we're in this unique position that we have three large uh, growth opportunities ahead of us, and we're uh, executing well against all three of those. And the innovation and the roadmap that exists uh, across all uh, three of those clouds just uh, gives us continued optimism that we will uh, serve our customers well, and we feel fortunate 
Um, I think the future of work and the fact that it's more hybrid will only continue to emphasize digital as a priority for uh, companies of every size. And so whether that's an increase in content for personalization, whether that's more automation of digital documents, and whether that's every business saying we need to understand how to do customer experience management, I believe Adobe is very uniquely uh, positioned to uh, drive uh, those particular macroeconomic trends. But thank you for joining us today. We look forward to Max, uh, as well as the Q4 earnings call. And with that, uh, I will turn it back over to Jonathan. Thanks, Shantanu, and thanks, everyone, for joining us on the call today. As we mentioned in the press release today, we, we look forward to connecting with you again on Thursday, December 16th, for our Q4 earnings and virtual financial analyst day. We will be sending out more details in the coming weeks. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact us at ir at adobe.com. I look forward to speaking with many of you soon, and we appreciate your interest in Adobe. This concludes the call.